Chapter twenty five of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Before he had been back in Norway a week, Kendall felt his perturbation in regard to Elfrida remarkably quieted and soothed. It seemed to him, in the long hours in which he fished and painted, that in the progress of the little drama from its opening act at lady halifax's to its final scene at the studio he had arrived at something solid and tangible as the basis of his relation toward the girl it had precipitated in him a power of comprehending her and of criticizing her which he had possessed before only as it were in solution whatever once held him from stating to himself the results of his study of her had vanished leaving him no name by which to call it he found that he could smile at her whimsicalities and reflect upon her odd development and regret her devouring egotism without the vision of her making dumb his voluble thought and he no longer regretted the incident that gave him his freedom he realized her as he painted her and the realization visited him less often much less often than before even the fact that she knew what he thought gradually became an agreeable one there would be room for no hypocrisies between them he wished that janet cardiff could have some such experience it was provoking that she should be still so loyally aveuglé that he would not be able to discuss elfrida with her when he went back to london from an impersonal point of view he had a strong desire to say precisely what he thought of her friend to janet in which there was an obscure recognition of a duty of reparation obscure because he had no overt disloyalty to janet to charge himself with but none the less present he saw the intimacy between the two girls from a new point of view he comprehended the change the months had made and he had a feeling of some displeasure that janet cardiff should have allowed herself to be so subdued so seconded in it kendall came back a day or two before elfrida's disappearance and saw her only once in the meantime that was on the evening which struck him later as one of purposeless duplicity before the peach blossom company left for the provinces when he and elfrida both dined at the cardiff's with him that night she had the air of a chidden child she was silent and embarrassed and now and then he caught a glance which told him in so many words that she was very sorry she hadn't meant to she would never do it again he did not for a moment suspect that it all referred to the scene at lady halifax's and that it was more than half real it was not easy to know that even genuine feeling with elfrida required a cloak of artifice he put it down as a pretty pose and found it as objectionable as the one he had painted he was more curious perhaps but less disturbed than either of the cardiffs as the days went by and elfrida made no sign he felt however that his curiosity was too irreligious to obtrude upon janet 
besides his knowledge of her hurt anxiety kept him within the bounds of the simplest inquiry while she noting his silence believed him to be eating his heart out in the end it was the desire to relieve and to satisfy janet that took him to the age office it might be impossible for her to make such inquiries he told himself but no obligation could possibly attach to him except and his heart throbbed affirmatively at this the obligation of making janet happier about it he could have laughed aloud when he heard the scheme from rattray's lips it so perfectly filled out his picture his future projection of elfrida he almost assured himself that he had imagined and expected it but his first motive was suddenly lost in an upstarting brood of impulses that took him to the railway station with the smile still upon his lips here was a fresh development his interest was keenly awake again he would go and verify the facts when his earlier intention reoccurred to him in the train he dismissed it with the thought that what he had seen would be more effective more disillusionizing than what he had merely heard he triumphed in advance over janet's disillusion but he thought more eagerly of the pleasure of proving with his own eyes another step in the working out of the problem which he believed he had solved in elfrida big house to-night sir all the stalls taken said the young man with the high collar in the box office when kendall appeared before the window pitt replied kendall and the young man stared pitt did you say sir well you'll have to look slippy or you won't get a seat there either kendall was glad it was a full house he began to realize how very much he would prefer that elfrida should not see him there from his point of view it was perfectly warrantable he had no sense of any obligation which would prevent his adding to his critical observation of her but from miss bell's he found himself lacking the assurance that no importance was to be attached to miss bell's point of view and he turned up his coat-collar and pulled his hat over his eyes and seated himself as obscurely as possible with a satisfactory sense that nobody could take him for a gentleman mingled with a less agreeable suspicion that it was doubtful whether under the circumstances he had a complete right to the title the overture strung him up more pleasurably than usual however he wondered if he should recognize her at once and what part she would have he did not know the piece but of course it would be a small one he wondered for so far as he knew she had had no experience of the stage how she could have been got ready in the time to take even a small one inevitably it would be a part with three words to say and nothing to sing probably a maid-servant's he smiled as he thought how sincerely elfrida would detest such a personation when the curtain rose at last mr john kendall searched the stage more eagerly than the presence there of any mistress of her art had ever induced him to do before 
the first act was full of gaiety and the music was very tolerable but kendall scanning one insistent figure and painted face after another heard nothing in effect of what was said or sung he was conscious only of a strong disappointment when it was over and elfrida had not appeared the curtain went up again to a quick step to clinking steel and the sound of light marching feet an instant after forty young women were rhythmically advancing and retreating before the footlights picturesquely habited in a military costume comprising powdered wigs three-cornered hats gold-embroidered blue coats flesh-coloured tights and kid top boots which dated uncertainly from the middle ages they sang as they crossed their varyingly shapely legs stamped their feet and formed into figures no drill-book ever saw a chorus of which the refrain was oh it never matters matters though his coat be tatters tatters his good sword rust encrusted and his songs all sung the maids will flatter flatter and his foes will scatter scatter for a soldier is a soldier while his heart is young the last line accompanied by a smiling flirt of their eyes over their shoulders and a kick to the rear as they wheeled which evoked the unstinted appreciation of the house the girls had the unvarying pink and white surfaces of their profession but under it they obviously differed much and the age and emaciation and ugliness amongst them had its common emphasis in the contrast of their smart masculine attire with the distressingly feminine outlines of their figures i should have thought it impossible to make a woman absolutely hideous by a dress that revealed her form said kendall to himself as the jingling and the dancing and the music went on in the glare before him but upon my word he paused suddenly she wasn't absolutely hideous that tall girl with the plume and the sword who manoeuvred always in front of the company the lieutenant in charge indeed she was comely every way slight and graceful and there was a singular strong beauty in her face which was enhanced by the rouge and the powder and culminated in the laugh in her eyes and upon her lips a laugh which meant enjoyment excitement exhilaration it grew upon kendall that none of the chorus girls approached elfrida in the abandon with which they threw themselves into the representation that all the others were more conscious than she of the wide-hipped incongruity of their role to the man who beheld her there in an absolutely new world of light and color and coarse jest it seemed that she was perfectly oblivious of any other and that her personality was the most aggressive the most ferociously determined to be made the most of on the stage as the chorus ceased a half-grown youth remarked to his companion in front but the orficer's the one dave ain't she fly and the words coming out distinctly in the moment of after silence when the applause was over set the pit laughing for two or three yards around 
whereat kendall with an assortment of feelings which he took small pleasure in analyzing later got up and went out people looked up angrily at him as he stumbled over their too numerous feet in doing so he was spoiling a solo of some pathos by mr golightly tick in the character of a princely refugee a fur-trimmed mantle and shoes with buckles kendall informed himself with some severity that no possible motive could induce him to make any comment upon miss bell to janet and found it necessary to go down into devonshire next day where his responsibilities had begun to make a direct and persistent attack upon him it was the first time he had yielded and he could not help being amused by the remembrance in the train of elfrida's solemn warning about the danger of his growing typical and going into parliament a middle-aged country gentleman with broad shoulders and a very red neck occupied the compartment with him and handled the times as if the privilege of reading it were one of the few the democratic spirit of the age had left to his class kendall scanned him with interest and admiration and pleasure it was an excellent thing that england's backbone should be composed of men like that he thought and he half wished he were not so consciously undeserving of national vertebral honours himself that elfrida's warnings had a little more basis of probability not that he wanted to drop his work but a man owed something to his country especially when he had what they called a stake in it to establish a home perhaps to marry to have children growing up about him a man had to think of his old age he told himself that he must be the lightest product of a flippant time since these things did not occur to him more seriously and he threw himself into all that had to be done upon the place when he arrived at it with an energy that disposed its real administrators to believe that his ultimate salvation as a landlord was still possible he was talking to janet cardiff at one of lady halifax's afternoon teas a fortnight later when their hostess advanced toward them interrogatively well i think of it janet said she laying a mittened hand on miss cardiff's arm what has become of your eccentric little american friend i sent her a card a month ago and we've neither heard nor seen anything of her elfrida bell oh she is out of town lady halifax and i am rather desolate without her we see so much of her you know but she will be back soon i dare say i will be able to bring her next thursday how delicious this coffee is i shall have another cup if it keeps me awake for a week oh you got my note about the concert dear lady kendall noticed the adroitness of her chatter with amusement before she had half finished lady halifax had taken an initial step toward moving off and janet's last words received only a nod and a smile for reply you know then said he when that excellent woman was safely out of earshot yes i know 
janet answered twisting the hanging end of her long-haired boa about her wrist i feel as if i oughtn't to but daddy told me daddy went you know to try to persuade her to give it up i was so angry with him for doing it he might have known elfrida better and it was such a such a criticism i wish you would tell me what you really think said kendall audaciously janet sipped her coffee nervously i i have no right to think she returned i am not in frida's confidence in the matter but of course she is perfectly right from her point of view ah kendall said her point of view janet looked up at him with a sudden perception of the coldness of his tone in spite of herself it gave her keen happiness until the reflection came that probably he resented her qualification and turned her heart to lead she searched her soul for words if she wants to do this thing she has taken of course the only way to do it well she does not need any justification none at all i wish she were back janet went on desperately but only for my own sake i don't like being out of it with her not for any reason connected with what she is doing there was an appreciable pause between them let me put down your cup suggested kendall turning to her again he said gravely i saw miss bell at Mouth too janet's hands trembled as she fastened the fur at her throat and i also wish she were back but my reason is not i am afraid so simple as yours here is daddy janet answered and i know he wants to go i don't think my father is looking quite as well as he ought to he doesn't complain but i suspect him of concealed neuralgia please give him a lecture on overdoing it's the predominant vice of his character end of chapter twenty five